Good morning, I'm Donna Quinn. And for the next half hour, you'll be listening to Talk of Our Town. This morning, we have a really important program. My guest today is Melissa Meadow. She's a licensed funeral director in Oregon, Washington, and Texas. She is pioneering the first not-for-profit funeral home and conservation burial park for people and pets in the Pacific Northwest through her 501c3 organization, The End Foundation. Her website is theend.green. Melissa is based in Long Beach, Washington, where she currently offers green donations for pets, among other services, such as counseling for people who want different choices and end-of-life options. Melissa has been an eco-death educator for six years online as the modern mortician. And she chose the Pacific Northwest for this endeavor because of the connection to nature here, the community, the opportunity to provide something, a new approach to death in this geographical area, which needs options. Good morning, Melissa. I am so honored to have you on the program today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm very, very excited to be here. Well, what you're doing is vital and it affects all of us. All of us will deal with death of those we love and with our own death, of course, and those of our beloved companions, our pet companions. So um, before we talk about the End Foundation and what you are currently doing and what you are planning to do, uh, let's learn a little bit about you, please. All right. Well, I am Melissa Meadow. I am known online as the modern mortician. Um, I've been in funeral service a little over 20 years, licensed for over 10. Um, I initially started, it was kind of funny, the entry of me into funeral care starts with me sitting at the kitchen table. My mom is doing something in the kitchen. And of course, we've got the news on. They're interviewing local family-owned businesses. And this is the summer before my senior year of high school. And the second person they interviewed was a lady who owned a funeral home. And my mom, very snarkily from the kitchen, thought it'd be fun to say, oh, you should work at a funeral home for the summer. And I looked at her and I said, all right, I will. And I actually got the job because it turned out the lady knew my grandfather because she had multiple small town funeral homes. And that was my entry into death care, um, answering phones for the summer, doing things of that nature. And then I went to mortuary school and then I learned things. Yes, you learn things about the industry, which some of which were not so marvelous. Correct. And that inspired you. So as you learned and you worked in Texas and then uh, you moved to uh, Long Beach, Washington. But um, I sense that there's a shift happening in the death industry, but you were part of the death industry or the death trade, as Stephen Jenkinson calls it. Um, with kind of the traditional ways of dealing with death, which really left the family um, kind of uh, not out of things, but the family wasn't able to truly take over and there weren't maybe all as many options, but now there are shifts happening. So you're part of that. So what made you decide that you needed to make a change in the industry? Um, it was as early as mortuary school. I began to question some of the things that I was learning, and then it was really applied when I was out in the field working. I began to ask, you know, why is this section of the cemetery okay for not having a vault, and why, why are we requiring them for this section? 
the answers that I were getting all kind of led back to the same thing. It was at the betterment of the industry and, you know, the relationships in the industry, not necessarily at all times at the betterment of the family. And as I began to educate myself on other alternatives, um, that's how I discovered a network of women online that were trying to educate people on our greener options. And here we are, we're all individually doing our own thing. Well, I guess a lot of people don't know that embalming is not required by law and that there are choices behind, beyond what the normal funeral homes will tell you. So um, when people think about green burial options, what, what are they thinking about? I mean, they've probably read something, but could you tell us a little bit about green burial options for pets and people? Yeah, green burial means you're not utilizing plastics or anything harmful for the environment. Everything is meant to break down. So you'd want to use maybe a cotton shroud or a woolen blanket. Um, and the burial plot is only about three and a half feet deep. You want 18 inches of ground cover over the, the body, if not a little bit more, depending on the climate and the area that you're in. And the point is to return back to nature, not to forever sit, you know, like a splinter in a finger. The point is to be what is all around you all the time, again, and be as minimally, as in, as minimally invasive as possible on the environment. Right, and there are um, there's the flameless creation there cremation. There's a there are a lot of options, but so but let's go back to when you said this. You know there are changes that need to happen, and the Pacific Northwest is where I want to be. And you established the End Foundation. So please tell us what is the mission and the vision, and what are the values of the End Foundation. Awesome. Okay. So the End Foundation provides education, support, and funding for those advancing a more symbiotic relationship with death and dying. Our vision is to support sustainable funerary options for people and their pets while building even more meaningful connections to others through our support of modern end-of-life education. Um, and I've been doing these little business classes to try to solid up, you know, everything on the back end for me. And one thing was really important was our values. And our values are people, pets, and planet over personal proper, uh, profit. Um, we really want to support sustainable funerary care, provide modern end-of-life education, end-of-life care, and just basically change death care for the better. A lot of people are not aware that you exist and that you already are in phase one um, and uh, of establish this, establishing the not-for-profit uh, funerary and uh, funeral home and conservation burial park. So right now you are currently offering uh, green options for pets. And do you wanna talk a little bit about that as well as counseling your website, actually people who have questions about end of death and about uh, end of life, I mean, <laughs> and, um, and about death um, can call, make an appointment with you and, uh, and talk about options. So, um, so you're in phase one. So what are you doing in phase one at this moment in time? Phase one, the end foundation is educating. Um, we're doing pop-ups. We might have a pop-up. Well, okay, we will have a pop-up. Uh, baby goat yoga fundraiser. So follow us online for information about that. Um, but 
the Eng Foundation is currently working on just educating people in the community about their options at end of life, you know, outside of the specter of the actual funeral industry, what people can and can't do, everything like that. The secondary part of phase one is we've opened the end companion care, which is pet cremation. Um, we are offering, we are the first facility within 150 miles, um, maybe 200 miles to offer water cremation. And for those that aren't aware, water cremation is the eco-friendly version of flame cremation. When you consider that the human body or the animal body is 85% water anyway, the majority of what's left is liquid. So the body goes into a tank and warm water and 95% warm water and 5% sodium hydroxide goes into the tank and then it reduces the body to liquid, which is like a cloudy urine. Um, the bones are still there in their purest form, which is calcium phosphate, and they break down into a powder and go into an urn. But the liquid portion is full of amino acids, peptides, salts, fats, everything that's chock full of greatness for plant life. So for example, there is a water cremation place in Colorado that disperses their effluent, their essence, the liquid portion that's left of the pets into a meadow and they grow flowers. They have another company that picks it up and they're growing trees for families with this water. Um, this water is considered a wet water and if stored like the animal portion of it was stored in bulk, it could be used to fight fires. Um, it's been used to reverse algae blooms in lakes before. Uh, the science behind water cremation is just so fascinating. And in many municipalities, it can go down the municipal drain system, just like everything would when you use the bathroom or you're having a you know, body embalmed or anything like that. And it's actually considered really good for the municipal wastewater system because it's full of all these soaps. So the science behind that shows that the municipal water systems are really appreciative of this service as well. Well, a lot of people want a more natural option for burial and they want to do things themselves. They want to take the power back um, from the death trade or the death industry. Um, and um, so, and you have some stories, I think, about that, about people who have had experiences with uh, green burials and with, you know, doing things a different way. Yeah, one of the most memorable ones. Um, in Austin, Texas, we were filming a short documentary for National Geographic uh, Explorer Edition. It had a terrible name, Faces of Death, <laughs> but it wasn't the one most people think about when they hear that term. So you definitely wanna make sure you're looking up National Geographic Explorer. Um, but it was a family in Austin, they wanted to have a home funeral and they interviewed the grandson who was probably about 38, 40 years old. And he was like, mm, whatever these women folk wanna do, I, I'm not about it, but I will support them. I love them and I love my grandfather. So I'm here for it. But if it were up to me, absolutely not. This would not be my thing. So they even went through a practice round where they um, practiced shrouding a living person, practiced the sponge bathing, the home vigil, the different things that would happen, transporting the body from the home to the car, how that goes, transporting to the you know cemetery, the movement at the cemetery, how that process would work. And then he died. And I remember 
being there when we took his body to the cemetery and watching the family take the shovels and just place each shovel full of dirt so lovingly down into the grave. And at the end of it, the grandson, who is at first very adamant about, I'm not having anything to do with this, this is silly. He was crying and he shared with us, he was like, everybody should have this experience. Like, this was so moving. This is the greatest gift that I could have given my grandfather and my grandmother who's here with us still. Um, so, so little moments like that just resonate with me. And I want to be able to give those gifts to everybody, the option of being able to take care of your own. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and Melissa, you are a pioneering spirit. You've already established your 501c3, the N Foundation, um, with the mission, the vision, and what you're already doing. You have a board of directors, you're writing grants, you are doing some fundraising, um, but a lot of people don't know that you are currently offering, you know, this pet companion care um, at the end of life. And, um, and, we, and you actually have a certified therapy dog, Kermit, who's a Border Collie, right? Yes, Border Collie Aussie Mix. He's quite the character. And, um, and I think at a time of death, we need comfort, not the sterility and the coldness of, you know, something which isn't in our normal daily, you know, uh, life, our sphere that we're working with. We need to have um, warmth, companionship and compassion. Mm -hmm. And a dog certainly can provide that. And I know you've, you've explained that Kermit has been uh, really helpful to a lot of people when you have been working with people at end of uh, life uh, situations. Yeah, Kermit's amazing. Um, he's been with me since he was four months old. I adopted him at a shelter outside of Waco, Texas and introduced him to his first removal with a decedent that evening. Um, he just knows how to work a room. It's amazing watching him work a funeral. Um, he just knows who to go up to, who to lean into. One of the more um, touching stories that I have from him was when we first moved into Seattle, um, he didn't initially come with me in to meet with the families. This was something, you know, COVID was happening. And so we were actively waiting for somebody to ask to see him. So we had signs up that his therapy dog on staff if needed. And um, I remember a woman and her family came in to make arrangements for her husband. And uh, she would not look up. She sat there very, very sullen, very quiet. Her family was trying to get her to engage in conversation. And her daughter had told me in the hallway, this is just not her. And I see this all the time and I'm used to it. Um, so we go into the room and I've stepped out to grab some paperwork and I come back in and the daughter mentions the sign and says, hey, uh, is the therapy dog here today? Yeah, absolutely. Let me go get him. So I go back upstairs. I get Kermit. We come back down and I just let him into the room and I sit down and he goes over and he makes his acquaintances with the daughter and the son and the other folks that are in the room. The last person that he goes to is the widow and he's just standing there and ever so slightly leans in and the chin rests in her lap. This is the first movement she has made since she's been in the entire room. Her hand drops 
to his head and she begins to caress his forehead and he just sits there. And not even five minutes later, she looks up and begins to engage in the conversation to interject and say, no, he liked blue. And then we went from there. Um, by the end of the services, Kermit had been there for the visitation. He had been there for the burial. And when she came back later to pick up death certificates, we walked her to her car. Oh, that is a beautiful story. Animals are truly healing for us. Um, if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Talk of Our Towns. I'm your host, Donna Quinn, and today my guest is Melissa Meadow. Melissa is a licensed funeral director in the states of Oregon, Washington, and Texas. She is pioneering the first not-for-profit funeral home and conservation burial park for people and pets in the Pacific Northwest through her 501c3 organization the end foundation and i would highly recommend that you visit her website theend.green lots of information and services uh, available she's based in long beach washington where she's currently offering green cremations for pets among other services uh, she counsels people who want different choices for end of life options through video chats or phone appointments um, and she has been an eco death educator for six years online as the modern mortician. She chose the Pacific Northwest for this endeavor because she wanted to offer a new approach to death in this geographical area where we need options. And the death, tr the death industry is changing, uh, right, Melissa? I mean, you're, you're yeah. seeing that was, I mean, it, there's still people holding on to, I mean, just like uh, hospitals and, you know, are changing in the fact that now they're allowing pets in and they're, they're trying to make it, uh, you know, warmer, friendlier, not so sterile. So what is your perspective on how things are changing? And, and tell us a little bit about some documentaries coming out. Oh, boy. So we've had the legalization of natural organic reduction in Washington and Oregon, one of the two of the pioneering states in that process. Also with water cremation, um, we're looking at getting it, it's popping up and getting legalized in other states as advocates are stepping up and taking this challenge on. Um, green burial parks are becoming more frequent. Uh, there's several in Oregon and there's several in Washington as well. None on our side of the coast. Um, documentaries that are coming out, ooh. We have one called The Death Boom that I'm really excited about. They've been filming within the funeral industry to, to kind of prepare us for what is the silver tsunami or the boomer generation that's going to be leaving us, um, hence the death boom. Uh, so I'm really excited for that documentary. Um, first round of filming has happened and uh, that's gonna be such an educational piece for, for just what options are in general for everything. Well, we live in an anti-aging, anti-death culture, and that is to our detriment. Um, other, there are other cultures and societies throughout the world who do it so much differently than we do. So it just, what you're doing is really powerful, is really important. Um, and I know that you also said that you're going to try, you're going to, you're creating um, uh, a book list and websites that you'd recommend so that people can become more comfortable with the idea of death. Absolutely. My platform on social media has, has been sharing that mostly through Instagram. 
Um, so it is time to put that into a comprehensive list that people can access in one place. In the meantime, I'm the go-to, <laughs> whether it's because it, it's all in here. So whether it's Instagram or Facebook, I'm, I'm everywhere. And how do people uh, find you? We know that the website, um, theend.green, um, gives people lots of options, explains about what you're doing and what you're currently offering. Um, and you're going to be doing a lot more educational outreach, which is great. Um, and I, I imagine the Daily Historian or the Astorian <laughs> will, will want to do a write-up about you and Hipfish and, and, and let people know, because this is really important what you're doing. This is a, a powerful thing. Um, so how do people find you on Instagram and Facebook? Well, first, of course, it does take a village to share the word. Um, so Instagram, I'm known as the modern mortician. If you type it up, you'll get a logo with two M's on it. Um, we also have the n.green on Instagram. We're building that out. Facebook, you can go facebook.com forward slash the modern mortician or the end foundation or the end companion care for all of those. Um, but yeah, I am 100% accessible. Uh, that's part of part of my process. I've, I've always been very accessible to people across the country, across the world on social media to answer questions. Uh, it, it gives me purpose. Well, you are at the beginning of a transformative, transformative era in funerary care that will uh, usher in nature, knowledge, sustainability, and, and that's what you're doing. Um, and so phase one now is happening, phase two, three, I mean, eventually you are looking at acquiring land so that yep. you can have this non-profit non funeral home and conservation burial park. That's yep. the vision. That's the big dream. The big dream is to have that, that land for burials for people and pets, like a learning center on site, grief camp during the summer for children that have lost parents, um, a hospice home eventually where people can die there and be buried on the land. I have grandiose, huge plans, uh, no money yet, but we'll get there. I 100% believe, yeah. You will get there because this is, um, people are beginning to wake up and say, you know, there are things that people haven't talked about death, but there are death cafes. I remember when those started and, and there are a lot more, uh, there's a lot more conversation about it and how can we do it in a way that is friendly and a way that is good for the planet and good for for us, you know, as our uh, our people and pets. So um, you're going to be going to, I know, uh, maybe some farmers markets and letting people know. So right now you're in the phase of trying to help educate people and let people know that you are uh, that you exist there in Long Beach. Yeah. Yes. And, um, I want to revisit once again the mission because um, what you say about the N Foundation is the N Foundation was established to create a new era in deaf care by supporting development of progressive education, nonprofit funeral facilities, memorialization, and conservation burial parks for people and pets. And there is a lot of support, you said, in the industry among certain people, probably young, young people like yourself. Yes, um, very much so. <laughs> uh, it, it's the older generation that's not quite adapting to this yet. And I understand because funeral industry was untouched for so, so long. Um, but I'm very excited with 
the Green Burial Council exists now, a National Home Funeral Alliance, uh, different organizations like that are out there to vet um, products and processes. Uh, so people aren't making these decisions based on marketing. Right. Excellent. And you know what, Melissa, we just have a few minutes left. So anything else you would like to listen to know that we haven't talked about um, in these final few minutes? Yeah. Um, again, you can find me online. I'm honored to answer any questions and help people with any end of life resources. Kermit is also looking forward to joining uh, the community actively through Pet Partners um, at Columbia Memorial Hospital this year. So uh, you can definitely tell him by the border collie with the colorful mane around his <laughs> head. And um, Melissa, you're just now, because this is really, these are early days. So I yeah. wanna encourage all of the listeners uh, of this program, please go to her website. Um, uh, the end.green and and find out more about what she's doing and reach out to her if you have questions um, if you have a pet and you want alternatives um, I know that uh, when you are a pioneering spirit sometimes it takes a little while to for people to say well wait wait oh this is an alternative this is an option I can consider I, there we don't have to do everything the way we have been doing it things are changing yep and one thing to remember is if if you're facing end of life with your pet and you're going through this journey with your veterinary team, you can ask them to call me or you can call me yourself. I also off offer an option where I can make that end of life phone call arrangement for you or for the family. Um, but just to know that people have choices for people and pets is the big part, the big takeaway. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, thank heaven we are beginning to talk more about it because um, it's been hidden and, and we try to we try to hide death and yet it's the most natural thing. Yeah. And, and I 100 percent I 100 percent believe that if I can educate people to take care of their pets at end of life, they're going to be way more comfortable taking care of their people when time comes. That's a good point. Absolutely. That's right. Well, I am so grateful that you have um, um, spent this time with us this morning. Thank you so much, Melissa, for what you're doing. Um, things need to change. Things are changing. You are uh, a pioneering spirit uh, on the Long Beach Peninsula, but but this is happening. This is beginning to happen. This consciousness, this awareness around death and having other options and green burials, um, uh, kinder, friendlier, better ways to do things. Is happening and, and thank you for coming to this area and, and being part of that. Thank you. I appreciate the platform today and being able to share what I'm doing with all of the listeners. Well, it affects everyone. So I, I, I think that you will definitely be out there in the future a lot more. So thank you so much. Um, thank you. Thank you, Nick, for engineering today. Very appreciative of that. And also my gratitude to local talented banjo instructor, Michael Bruin, for his original theme music for this program. Until next week. Well, no, no, it's not weekly. Until next month. No, not every month. Today, this minute, let's all take a very deep healing breath together. It is so good to just slow down and give ourselves the grace of a beautiful big breath.
It's good for body, mind, and spirit. And then with gratitude, focus on the things that are going well in your life. There will always be those things that aren't, but focus with gratitude on the things that are, and then give yourself a loving and compassionate hug or a pat on the back for being uniquely you. 